0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nope Too Creepy podcast. Hopefully everyone's year is off to a great start. I know it's only January, but hey, that usually feels like the longest month of all, right? For a lot of us, we're still in the dead of winter, the prospect of summer, and all the fun it, well, used to, bring us is still far, far away. But, dear listener, I'm here to tell you, cheer up. Because today I bring you a long and epic story that will show you just how overrated a vacation can be. Especially a vacation that involves staying in a hotel. Well, overrated and absolutely horrifying. A young traveler and her best friend head west for their dream California vacation and finally spend a night in the brand new hotel they've been eyeing. But what was supposed to be a relaxing and glamorous weekend turns into a trial of survival, filled with horror and dangers she never could have imagined. Written by Reddit user PinkFever19, here is, This new luxury hotel has a set of rules for staying alive. My best friend, Trina, and I have been planning a dream trip to California for years now. But after spending the first night in Beverly Hills' newest and most luxurious hotel, I'm not sure we'll be around in the morning to actually enjoy the rest of our stay. You see, everything was great in the beginning. Of course, the plane ride was awful and listening to a child cry for the next five hours during any flight would drive anyone crazy. But after we finally landed, it's safe to say the wait was definitely worth it. It's beautiful here, and I was hoping we would wake up early just to relax and walk around the city after a nice breakfast. But at the moment, it's currently one in the morning, and I'm doing my best ignore the thing trying to get my attention by the window. We wanted a luxury experience on this vacation, so we put in the extra effort to save up and spend a couple of nights in one of the city's newest and most popular establishments, the Recreation Hotel. It was amazing when we got here, and the staff was so friendly, it's like we've known them for years. Nothing felt wrong, and if I had to bet on anything, never in a million years would I ever have imagined this place being so terrifying. Trina was the one who found the letter in the drawer of her nightstand. She laughed, thinking it was a weird prank left behind by the previous guest to spook whoever found it. Inside was a list of rules And now I understand that whoever left this behind for us wasn't trying to be funny at all, but was rather giving us a chance to stay alive. It looks like I have some time at the moment, so I'll tell you what they are. Not only will it keep my mind off of things, but this will also be a warning to anyone who reads this, so that they know to never book a stay in this place. Rule number one. After 11 p.m., make sure you turn off everything in your room. This includes cell phones or any sort of machine that makes noise you may have brought with you. They will use it to try and talk to you. Rule number two. If you fail to complete the first rule, you might start hearing them call for you. Ignore it at all cost. Never respond to them, no matter what they tell you. Rule number three. Make sure your curtains are closed the moment the sun goes down. Do not open them even if the noises from outside stop. They will also try to get your attention that way. Over time they will grow bored, but no matter what, you keep the curtains closed. Rule number 4. At around midnight, it's possible a bellboy will knock on your door and ask if you ordered room service. You must ask him what he brought you. If he tells you the usual, don't open the door. If he tells you anything else, tell him to leave it by the door. Wait until he leaves before retrieving the dish. Never, by any means, look through the peephole to see him. Rule number five. If you retrieve the dish, do not eat whatever is inside. Instead, dump all of it into the waste bin. Rule number six. Like the bellboy, it's possible that the landline in your room will start ringing for you. If you don't hear it ring at all, then I'm happy to tell you you are free to relax for the rest of the night, so long as you continue to follow rules one through four. I would also advise that you look for a new hotel first thing in the morning, because you absolutely never want to hear the phone ring during your stay here. Rule number seven. If you are unfortunate enough to hear the phone ring, Pick it up. A woman will tell you to do three things. However, her requests may vary each time she calls, so I can't tell you what they'll be. But no matter what she tells you to do, those tasks have to be completed. If you fail any of them, she will come to you and complete them herself, but she won't be happy about it. Rule number eight, absolutely never, ever leave your room unless you are instructed to do so. If you, under any other circumstances, break this rule, you will never be found. Rule number nine, your bathroom light will come on at some point, and you'll hear the toilet flush and the sink start to run like someone is just finishing up their business. You must be in bed when this happens. Close your eyes and do not open them until you hear it leave your room. Make sure you also hear it shut the door. Rule number ten. You will hear someone outside your bedroom running up and down the halls, This is when you look through the peephole. If you see a little girl, do not open the door, and instead tell her that her mommy is worried about her and is waiting downstairs. If you see a little girl and a little boy running around, open the door and ask them nicely to play somewhere else. The little girl might ask you, Do you want to play with us? Tell her you'll play with her in the morning. Whatever you do, never tell her no. The little boy might tell you that they are lost, and they need help finding their room. Kindly remind him that their mother is waiting for them downstairs. Only shut the door after they leave. Rule number 11. The phone will ring again and you will be asked to do another set of tasks. Complete them once again to avoid her coming to do it for you. I promise you, it's best you don't meet her at all. Rule number 12. If the lights come on suddenly, you need to make your way into the bathroom. Look into the mirror and tell your reflection, now is not the time maybe later. If the lights go out again, you're fine. If they don't, ask your reflection, what time should we meet again? If your reflection responds, thank it and only take your leave when the lights finally go out. Rule number 13. Pay attention to the next two steps because they will be the most difficult to follow. Your television will suddenly turn on at exactly 3.42 a.m. When this happens, you have exactly five seconds to hide. It doesn't matter where. Just hope and pray to dear God He does not find you. To increase your chances of survival, Hold your breath for as long as you can. Don't worry too much. He's never around for long. When the TV turns off, wait another minute before coming out again. If you hear him laugh, he tricks you and you're too late. Your only chance then would be to scream as loud as you can and pray That someone knocks on your door and asks you if you're all right. If they do, you must open the door, but do not leave. Keep it open for the rest of the night. The only consequence to this is that you might see others peeking in once in a while. Never look at them for too long. If you do, they'll take it as an invitation to come in. And they're never friendly. Rule number fourteen, if you successfully avoid him, feel free to relax a little bit at this point. You are now free to watch TV and turn on any electric devices again. However, prepare yourself for an unexpected visitor. You will hear a knock at the door before 5am. Answer it and act casual. Don't ever talk about what you're experiencing. That person will want to spend some time with you. Do whatever makes them happy. Depending on how you treat them, they might extend their visit and want to spend time with you for the rest of the night. If they do, continue to act normal, but make sure you never fall asleep when they are with you, no matter how tired you feel. If you do you will not wake up. They might ask you to go out with them somewhere. This is the one thing you cannot do for them, and you must find something else for them to do without upsetting them. On the off chance that they ask you odd questions that might come out of nowhere, answer honestly. Rule number 15. When the sun starts to rise, You are safe to finally leave the room. Don't ever rely on the wall clock to tell you the time. It will try to deceive you. When you leave your room, do not attempt to leave the building unless you see someone at the front desk. An old lady will ask you to help her bring her things inside from the car. Don't listen to her. She will be stubborn but by no means should you listen to a word she says. Rule number 17. If no one is at the front desk by the time you hear the grandfather clock in the lobby strike seven, immediately return to your room. You, unfortunately, might not have any other choice but to stay one more night. As you can see, I was stupid enough to ignore the first rule, and now, every once in a while, I will get a phone call from an unknown number. I had to keep my phone on silent mode because of this. For some reason, I can't turn it off, either. I'm assuming whatever it is doesn't want me to. They would leave voicemails for us, and Trina was the first to actually listen to one of them. She told me it sounded like her father, telling her how much he missed her, and asking her to call him back when she had the chance. Her father passed away three years ago. This, of course, freaked her out, and it only seemed to get a lot worse when the tapping on the window started up. As much as I wanted to pull the curtain back to reassure her that we were all right, possibly finding out it was just a loose tree branch or something making such a noise, a gut feeling told me to stay where I was. I told Trina this, and somehow managed to talk her out of looking behind the curtain as well. If we had not decided to go to bed early the moment we arrived, we probably would have been watching TV or listening to the radio. I'm so glad neither of us decided to do that. I can't imagine what we would have heard if we did, and I don't ever want to find out. It was around midnight when Trina decided she couldn't take it anymore. She had convinced herself that this little prank being pulled on us was going way too far. She was going to go down to the lobby and inform the front desk about what was going on, I tried to stop her, but this time nothing I said worked. It's been over an hour now, and she still has not come back. At the moment, the tapping on the window has died down, but now I hear whispering. It's very faint, but it's there. I'm on my bed typing this. And God, it's so hard to keep my hands from shaking. I have already had five missed calls and three different voicemails. And of course, I delete them. But they keep making more. I really need to try and calm down. Maybe drink some water or something. I don't think the bellboy is coming. But I'll remember to keep you guys informed if anything else happens. Here is an update on my situation. It's just past 3 a.m., and I have exactly 24 minutes before I can expect the mystery guy to show up. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm so terrified. As soon as I posted my last message, the tapping thankfully stopped. The whispering was still there, but that, too, eventually went away. I'm still not going to open the curtain. I already broke one rule. I can't afford to see what happens if I break anything else. The phone, unfortunately, did ring. The woman on the other line had a rather deep voice. The first thing she told me to do was remove the clothing from my luggage and throw it all in the bathtub. She then told me to find the hotel's Bible and tear out all the pages located in John. I am a religious person. I grew up with a Christian mother and Catholic father. As strange as this may sound to some, this truly did hurt more than it probably would anyone else. But I refused to find out what she would do to me if I disobeyed. Lastly, she told me to open the mini-fridge and remove all the beverages before placing them in a circle on the floor. Her requests were definitely strange, but nonetheless, I did them. In fact, I would have done a handstand while reciting the alphabet if she told me to, ridiculous as that sounds. I just wanted her to leave me alone. Hopefully the next time she calls, Her request will be just as simple. The children did show up, both the boy and the girl. They looked around the ages of seven and eight and were both dressed in all white. She had very long black hair, but the boy had short blonde hair. They looked nothing alike. As predicted, she did ask me if I wanted to play with them, and I thankfully managed to tell her with my best smile that I would play with her in the morning. My voice was shaky, but she seemed to understand me. However, it did not stop there, and she continued to persist that I play with her. I never told her no. There was a point I did almost slip up, and I swear to you, her childish pout turned into the most disdainful scowl I have ever seen. Her eyes widened up a bit, and there was something about her that practically screamed danger if I didn't think fast enough. I don't exactly remember our conversation, but in the end I managed to convince her that I would play hide-and-seek with her after breakfast, and that seemed to please her. She bragged about being the best seeker for a bit, and finally thanked me before running off. The boy followed without a word, and the moment both of them rounded the corner, I quietly closed the door. I didn't even have time to fully turn around before the bathroom light flickered on. I tripped on one of the beverage cans while scrambling for the bed which did something to my ankle, unfortunately. It still hurts like all get-out. I even yelped in pain, but I managed to get back to the bed no sooner than I needed to. I closed my eyes before realizing I did not throw the covers over me, but the bathroom door was already creaking open, and the air immediately went cold. Whatever came out had extremely light footsteps. It sort of sounded like a small dog wandering around, but at the same time, it was quite obvious this thing would tower over me if I ever dared to stand beside it. I know this because whatever it was approached my bedside, and it loomed over me, close enough to feel a great amount of body heat. It never made a sound, I couldn't hear it breathe, and it never said a word, but I could feel the intensity of its gaze. My ankle was throbbing, and I bit my lip so hard that it drew blood. I don't know how long it was there, but I know I wasn't very quiet. I couldn't help but let out a few whimpers in both pain and fear. I'm still shaking from the experience but I don't think it seemed to care, so long as I kept my eyes closed. It left at some point, but even after hearing the door close, I could not shake the feeling of it staring me down. I never felt so small and helpless in my entire life, and unfortunately, I'm still balled up in the fetal position on the bed, just how it left me. Guys, I don't know what to do. Again, some of you might not understand this, and it might sound silly, but I always believe that God is with you no matter what situation you're in. I, I don't feel that now. I feel completely and utterly alone. Has everything been a lie? Have I been following someone who never existed to begin with? Why would he ever put me through something like this? What did I ever do to deserve it? It's 3.37 a.m. I have five minutes left. God, help me. Save me. Trina has not come back yet. I miss her so much. But if what the list says is true... I'm never going to see her again. If you're still reading this, thank you for getting this far. If I do survive, I'm going to tell you what happens in the morning. Until then, thank you for reading what I have to say. My name is Christina Moores. Please tell my family I love them and that I'm sorry I can't wish them all goodbye. You might be wondering, how could things get any worse? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. Because the fun is just beginning. Before we jump back into the story, I just want to make a really quick shameless plug. If you are enjoying this episode, or if you've become a regular listener, it would help greatly if you helped spread the word by sharing an episode with a friend or leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening on if they allow you to do so. This will help the show find new listeners, and that may just give me the opportunity to create more and more content. Everybody wins. Anyway, that's enough self-promotion. For now, at least. Let's get back to the story. Update. I found another note. Someone slid it under my foot about an hour ago. Well, as you can see, I made it through the night. I am alive, but regrettably, I am also somehow still in hell. Before I start, I would like to thank you all for your words of encouragement. I know many of you are thinking that I'm either making this all up, or just someone who's looking to write a good story for the sake of entertainment. But I can assure you, everything I'm experiencing is real. Whether or not you believe what you've read so far is up to you, but I want to thank you nonetheless for being here. It's silly, but interacting with you guys was really the only thing keeping me sane. There are no words to describe how grateful I am to all of you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Anyway. A lot has happened. A lot. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like this place is very keen on letting me go. The man did come to my room last night. I saw his footsteps. I also saw that he wore a very black suit, darker than any color I have seen before. His face was not very visible, but to best describe it, All I could see was his very thin, very dry lips, widened to an unsettling degree. He paced the room several times, whistling some sort of tune. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it sounded like an old nursery rhyme. I don't remember the name. I'm sorry. The room dropped in temperature drastically, and despite holding my breath, I was fairly certain he would catch me because my heartbeat was so loud. I'm not sure how smart it was to hide under the bed, but that's exactly what I did. He looked through the closet door, then paced the room again several times. But that's all he really did. He didn't exactly leave through the front door. He just, well, left. Much like how he came. He was just gone. I can't describe it any other way. I waited several more minutes before coming out again, and thankfully I did not hear any laughter. According to the other letter, I had plenty of time before five to prepare for my unexpected visitor. My ankle was still very sore. I know now that I fractured it somehow, But I've been using one of the water bottles to help numb the pain. They are still pretty cold, and I removed one of the pillow covers to wrap it up and use as a temporary ice pack. I cried for the rest of the night. I can't recall the last time I cried so hard. I wanted to go home. I still want to go home. The money both Trina and I saved up for all these years, we wasted it. We unknowingly exchanged it for our lives. How the hell has this place not been demolished? Why hasn't anyone noticed? Am I the only one who has survived this long? Will they even let me leave? There are just so many questions and I know there's a good chance I'll never get any answers. It was around 5 a.m. when I got a knock on the door. I managed to limp my way over to it, trembling in fear. I'm not sure if I was supposed to look through the peephole then. It never stated on the note, if I could at this time, but I did. And wouldn't you believe it? The visitor was Trina. After pulling her inside, she started asking me what was wrong, but all I could do was hold her and ball my eyes out into her chest. She didn't really make any effort to comfort me, only asking me over and over again what was wrong. Stuff like, did something happen? Are you alright? Why are you crying? She asked question after question, and the more she asked, the more worried she sounded. I don't know exactly how long I cried for, but after calming down, I did manage to get a better look at her. Trina was taller, and her hair was a bit longer. But besides that, she didn't look much different. At least at the time, she didn't. Of course, things only started getting weirder from there. Putting aside the rules for a moment, I started asking her my own questions, like where she went and why she was gone for so long. I know it probably wasn't the best decision, but I had to make more of an effort to not break down again, and asking questions, especially ones that could be answered and explained, It was an action that did help me keep my mind off of the terror surrounding me, even for a little bit. Not to mention keeping my sanity in check. Unfortunately for me, her smile was unsettling, and her teeth were somehow brighter than I remembered. She told me she decided to go for a short walk before bed and apologized for not inviting me to go along with her. Before I could say anything else, her smile widened in delight, and she asked me a question that filled me with dread. Would you like to go with me this time? You seem stressed. I froze. As stupid as it was, that's what I did. She asked me again if I was alright, grabbing me by the hand and slowly starting to lead me towards the door. I yelped in pain as my ankle throbbed. She didn't seem to pay mind to it and continued leading me to the room's exit. I tried pulling away, but her grip was firm. My voice was gone, silenced by the fear alone. I was trembling so much It was hard to even stand on my own two feet. The moment she had her hand on the door handle, I, thankfully, managed to finally say something in a very small tone. I told her no. Now, this is when I started noticing something else was definitely off with her. Her movements were slow, but she did stop to turn to me, confused. Well, why not? I... My throat was so dry then. Everything just hurt. It was frustrating that she refused to acknowledge the poor condition I was in. Something very unlike the Trina I knew. The Trina I grew up with. This thing. It was not her. Whatever I was interacting with was not Trina. She's a nurse, well, at least going to school to be one, and as annoying as it was sometimes, she would once in a while lecture me about my health, about how I ate too much fast food or didn't exercise enough. Trina would have never overlooked something as noticeable as a sprained ankle, not to mention overlook how much pain I was in. For someone who would coddle me for even getting the smallest paper cut, this just could not be her. After racking my brain for a bit, I came up with an excuse, something about wanting to go to bed because I was too tired to do anything else, and that I had already stayed up later than usual to watch that old drama flick we both liked. That seemed to do the trick. She actually took it better than I anticipated, but it did seem to somewhat disappoint her. Her hand did not leave mine, grip still tight and unwavering, but with this I managed to bring us both over back towards our beds. Well, do you want something to eat? I could get us something from room service, she had offered, and no way in hell was I going to let her call in that bellboy, or anyone else for that matter, into this room. Even if nothing else was mentioned about this in the rules, I was not about to take any chances. No, that's fine. If you're not tired, we could just always, um, talk, I guess. My voice was still trembling. I'm surprised she understood me. But then again, she also didn't seem to notice how afraid I was. She shrugged. Sure. What about? I had to remind myself over and over again to play along, to pretend that whoever this was, or whatever this was, I had to treat her like it was Trina. I brought up some topics and some questions about nursing school, once or twice bringing up her favorite TV show and talking about the latest episodes and what we would like to see next. She never missed a beat and even sounded optimistic when talking about the test she recently took. Her words were genuine, but I couldn't get over how unsettling her smile was. It looked wider; Her teeth were brighter. She looked human, but at the same time, she was all off. I don't know how else to describe it. The longer we talked the more and more tired I felt. I was exhausted, but as instructed, I by no means fell asleep. I refused to be left vulnerable with that thing. She did ask me one particular question I found odd. Something to do with the last time I thought about taking my own life. It put me off guard but I told her honestly that I never thought of anything of the sort. Life meant a lot to me. It still does. She only gave me a brief nod before changing the topic, going on about one of her favorite professors and how cute he was. I never noticed the sun coming up until she pointed it out herself. Her entire demeanor changed, and she gave a heavy sigh. I'm not sure if it was in relief or defeat. Man, we didn't get a lot of sleep, did we? She mentioned, once again slightly disappointed. Maybe we should at least try to get an hour of extra sleep before heading out? Sure, I said. But could you first go downstairs and see what's for breakfast? If we're having French toast, I want to be the first one in line. Also, feel free to bring up some coffee or something, if they already have it prepared. I don't know how I managed to do it, but I guess I should be giving myself a little more credit for coming up with so many excuses on the spot. It worked again. She smiled once more, and then got up. We stared at one another for a moment and I swear I felt the air get a lot cooler. Reluctantly, she eventually agreed and told me to call her if I needed anything from the lobby. And then she was gone. It took her a bit of time to get to the door, but the moment I closed it behind her, I felt a huge sense of relief. It was finally over. I could get out of here. Not knowing if I should take my things out of the tub, I just left them there and only took my suitcase. I would be missing my favorite dress, but clothes could always be replaced, and the both of us planned on going on some huge shopping spree while we were there anyway, so I didn't pack much. Not a single person was at the front desk when I got down there, but it wasn't even 7am yet. I rang the service bell a few times, but nobody came. At some point, an old lady did come out of the elevator, carrying with her two very large bags. She asked me if I could help her out. Remembering the rules, I told her no and pointed to my now very swollen ankle. I think that shocked her because she asked me what happened and even offered to drive me to the hospital. I lied and told her I was waiting for my friend to come down. That didn't help at all. It took me more effort than expected to get rid of her, and the more I denied her offer, the angrier she seemed to get. She finally did leave me alone after one of the hotel staff members came by to aid her. They both gave me a very nasty look, before heading outside to God knows where. I waited for what seemed like an eternity, and for the most part, I almost wish it was, because anything would have been better than going back to that room. But it happened. The clock struck seven, and I screamed. I screamed and cried, begging for someone to come to the front desk, but no one did. I begged and I begged. I even tried to jump onto the counter to see if anyone was back there, but a gut feeling told me not to. And instead, I angrily threw the bell at the door, realizing then that I would have to spend another night in absolute hell. Guys, what should I do? I haven't seen anyone since yesterday, not even the maids. I don't know who else to ask, and even if I could ask, I think I'd be too afraid to. Well, as you've probably figured out, I'm back at the hotel room typing this up. I found a new letter with the exact same rules as before, but there's a message in it this time, along with a few... More rules. I'll type as followed. If you're reading this, I'm sorry. I never figured out why they decided to keep some survivors for more than one night, but hopefully you are still well enough to push forward. I once again strongly suggest you follow steps 1 through 17 like before, and I hate being the one to tell you this, but here are some more rules that you more than likely need to follow in order to see another day. Number 18. They now know you by name. They will start calling out to you by the window. Don't ever answer, and don't ever go to look. Number 19. At around midnight, it's possible the bellboy will knock on your door asking if you've ordered room service. However, this time, he'll be a bit more persistent. If he answers the usual, don't open the door. If he says anything else, tell him to leave it by the door. Wait until he leaves to retrieve the dish. Don't ever look through the peephole. Number 20. If you retrieve the dish... Do not ever eat what's inside. Instead, dump it all in the waste bin. He will come back for your dish this time and ask you about the meal. You will tell him it was delicious, thank you, and nothing more. He will ask you for the dishware back. Don't ever respond. And whatever you do, do not open the door. He will go away. Number twenty-one, the phone will ring for you, and you will once again hear the woman at the front desk. One of two things might happen. She will either give you instructions to follow, like last time, or you will hear her scream bloody murder. If the latter happens, I'm sorry. Number twenty-two, if you did not hear her scream and you've successfully completed her tasks. Congratulations. Number 23. Now, here it once again gets a little tricky. There is another chance that someone will knock at your door again. Open the door. If it's a man, he will ask you if you've seen his hat. Tell him yes, and that you've actually turned it into the lost and found. He will thank you and leave. Don't gawk at his appearance. If no one is at the door, you must go two doors down to your left and knock on their door three times. Kindly ask them to stop knocking on your door. And if they really need someone, contact the front desk. You will hear footsteps approaching the door afterwards. Make it back to your room before they catch you. Number 24. I left something under your bed. It's for emergencies only. So please only use it if and when necessary. Number 25. We don't keep paintings in the guest rooms. If you see one, turn it over and ignore anything they try to tell you. Well, there is a painting of a woman in the bathroom. She's blonde and wearing a sundress, posing in what seems to be some sort of curtsy while also smiling happily at someone to the left of her. I turned it over as mentioned. I can't remember if it was there in the first place when we arrived, but I think I hear it sobbing that or I really am going crazy this place this hotel it's not normal I don't know what else to say except now I'm afraid to pee in a bathroom that's probably haunted by some weird painting if not worse who's leaving these notes for me? I've never really considered how, or why, this person is trying to help me, or how many others they've helped, or why they're only leaving notes. It's practically killing me, having all these questions and no one to ask for answers. I'm exhausted. I really miss Trina. I don't think I've ever quite accepted the fact that I'll never see her again. What am I supposed to tell her family? What am I supposed to tell mine? For some reason, my phone glitches out every time I try making a call, bringing me back to the lock screen before I have the chance to scroll through my contact list. A part of me is still convinced that this is all some kind of horrible nightmare. But I know that can't be, because my ankle is throbbing. And won't allow me to. I can hardly move. I'm not sure if I even will make it tonight because of this. I'm so scared. I can't stop crying. And I'm so tired. I can't pray. I don't have the energy. It's currently been about three hours since I've been back. I can hear people now going about the hallway like normal. I don't know if they are real, or if they are something that the hotel is fabricating. I'm going to try and get as much rest as I can. When tonight comes, I don't know if I'll see tomorrow, but I'll be damned if I don't try. All I can do is try. I don't want to die. Not like this. Not by the hands of this hotel. I want to live. There's nothing more I've wanted. I'll try updating again if I somehow make it. But because the odds aren't exactly in my favor, I want to thank you all once again for being here with me. For comforting me. I know Trina would appreciate you guys too so I want to thank you on her behalf as well. I wish you nothing but happiness, but whatever you do, do not stay here. Don't stay at the recreation hotel. Don't ever make the same mistake I did. Life is wonderful. Don't ever take it for granted. Love you all, and I know this might sound broken by now, but... Thank you for being here. Until next time, wish me luck. I bet she's wishing she would have just saved her money and stayed home, huh? I hope this doesn't stop you from going out there, enjoying a vacation, and taking some cool Instagram pics. And speaking of Instagram, why not give Nope2Creepy a follow? Great segue, right? I know. Nope2Creepy can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc., all with the handle Nope2Creepy. And remember, stories go live on YouTube first, so if you want a head start on listening, be sure to subscribe there. I promise that was the last plug, so sit back and enjoy the remainder of the story. I made it. I'm alive, but as crazy as this may sound, it was the devil himself that saved me. Well, sort of. Allow me to start explaining. According to the doctors, I was pronounced dead on the scene when paramedics arrived. I've been in the hospital for over a week now, asleep for most of it. But now that I have the energy, I can finally get back to you guys. With some effort, I did manage to fall asleep, but I somehow awoke to the sound of my name being called. The voices were once again coming from the window, but they were much louder. Sometimes they were soft, curious even. They would call out to me in murmurs, no more than a whisper. Thankfully, the curtains were still closed from last night. The sobbing in the bathroom turned into agonizing moans. It was the voice of a woman crying over and over again It hurts. Please. I need air. Please. I broke down again, shedding tears that seemed to be endless. Because it was all so much. It was just too much. I'm a bit of a crybaby, you see. I was never the brave one, according to my father, always reminding me that I was a woman now and that I needed to face my fears head on if I wanted to go anywhere in life. Though, I don't think either of us would have ever predicted something like this would ever happen so I like to think he would have given me a pass this time for acting out. I think at some point, I asked the voices to stop, to just go away and leave me alone. As if acting in defiance, they only got louder, and the sobbing in the bathroom turned into panic cries for help. As if on cue, there was a knock at the door, the timer on my phone displayed 11 p.m. Yes, I neglected to shut it off again before falling asleep. That was a poor mistake on my part. A voice called out from the hallway. Room service, Miss Moores. He knocked again when I did not respond, louder and with more force. Hello? Miss Moores, you did order room service, right? Y- yes, I answered shakingly, thinking back to rule number four. I forgot to mention that I went over the rules again before taking that long nap. I even folded them up and kept it in my pocket in case I needed them again. Um what did you bring? The usual, Miss Don't open the door. If he tells you anything else, tell him to leave it by the door. I kept my mouth shut, even holding my breath for the most part. After a minute or so, I thought he was gone, but he knocked again and continued calling out to me. Hello? Is everything okay? Do you need me to come in and put it down for you? Miss Moores? He knocked one more time, but a moment of silence followed before. Please, let me in. I hiccuped. A strong urge came over me to actually open the door. He sounded desperate, helpless. He reminded me of a previous encounter I had with my young cousin during a time when he came to visit us one year for Christmas with my uncle and aunt. He had a nightmare his first night over and came to my door, begging me to let him in to stay the night in my room. I felt sorry for the bellboy, or at least the thing behind my door. You... you can leave it by the door, I managed to say. And after another beat of silence, I heard something being placed on the floor, followed by footsteps leading itself away from the room. I waited for some time before limping over to the entryway, taking the risk of looking through the door's small peephole. He was gone. The dish was heavy, and inside contained nothing but raw meat, and I'm certain it was all expired due to the wretched stench that came from it. I almost threw up as I scrapped it into the trash bin, and yes, the smell unfortunately took up the entire room, making hell itself somehow just a little worse. I also disposed of the silver platter it came from, covering the bin using Trina's bedsheets to try and mask the smell, which really didn't help at all, but it was better than nothing. The phone rang not long after I got back into bed, and she was screaming. The woman on the other line was now screaming, and it was loud. I had to pull the phone away from my ear when she did so, and in shock it even slipped out of my hand onto the floor. Rule number 21, the phone will ring for you and you will once again hear the woman at the front desk. One of two things might happen. She will either give you instructions to follow, like last time, or you will hear her scream bloody murder. If the latter happens, I'm sorry. It felt as if a stampede was making its way down the hall and towards my room. The screaming got louder and more apparent along with it. I whimpered and practically dove myself back onto the bed where I left the little box. The gift that the stranger behind the rules left for me in case of an emergency. I also forgot to tell you in my last update what it was. Sorry about that. Inside the box was a small gold coin, along with a single sheet of paper neatly folded up behind it. Inside the sheet was written, CONSUME WHEN NECESSARY, in very blotchy letters. I don't even think they used ink to write it. My hands fumbled with the thing before I finally got it in my mouth, and the moment I swallowed, she finally burst through the door. The sight was absolutely maddening. Her jaw was dragging itself on the floor, all four limbs much longer than her thinly clothed torso, perching the body off the floor as it crawled over to me with great speed. Its screams turned into an ear-piercing screech as the ground shook wildly. And then I woke up. I was in bed again, tucked in safely as if nothing had happened. My body was covered in sweat, and a heavy gasp escaped me the moment I sat up. The voices behind the windows had ceased, and the wailing from the bathroom had also seemed to disappear. The only thing that remained from before was the smell, and that time I actually did throw up because of it. Everything seemed to fall completely silent afterwards. It was unsettling how quiet it was. The only thing that could really be heard was heavy breathing and my rapid heartbeat. That woman. There was no trace of her whatsoever. It was as if she was never there. Her horrifying disfigurement. The screaming. It all still haunts my dreams and will probably do so for a very long time. Whatever was in that box, it saved me. Or at least, I think it did. It clearly did something, nonetheless. I only had so much time to rest before I needed to follow the next rule, but at least it was enough to find my now-useless temporary water bottle ice pack. I managed to take a couple of sips from it. It helped just enough to clear my head, even easing some of my trembling from my sweaty palms. The bathroom light came on without warning, but this time there was no sound of a toilet flushing or the sink running. Rule number nine. If the lights come on suddenly, you need to make your way into the bathroom, look into the mirror and tell your reflection, now's not the time, maybe later. If the lights go out again, you are fine. If they don't, ask your reflection, what time should we meet again? If your reflection responds, thank it, and only take your leave when the light finally goes out. My ankle throbbed as I limped over to the bathroom. It felt so much worse the longer I was on it. But through pure adrenaline, I still managed to get around well enough to do whatever needed to be done, at least during certain moments. The mirror never lies. That was made certain the moment I saw my own reflection. My hair was stringy. The mascara and foundation I had applied days ago streaky and absolutely horrid. I barely recognized myself. Clearing my throat while also straightening myself out, I repeated the words written. Now's not the time. Maybe, maybe later. I was never the talker, not to mention someone who would talk to themselves. In the mirror, no less. So it felt really strange. It was not normal. At least when you're not giving yourself a motivational speech, normal. Nothing happened. The longer I stood there, the more uneasy I felt. Standing there covered in sweat, and looking at someone who would normally have smooth makeup on, even on off days, it was unnerving and a little bit humiliating considering the sorry state I was in. With a breath, I reluctantly continued. What time should we meet again? It took me two tries to say that, knowing very well that at some point my reflection was going to respond, and nothing could have ever prepared me for that. She smiled. She laughed. She cried. It was a wave of emotions happening all at once. I don't know how else to describe it. It almost looked like I, she, was glitching, and with every glitch showed a different emotion. Every emotion I have probably ever felt. At some point, she finally settled back to a neutral expression, completely ignoring the mortified look I was giving her. Then she ever so slowly started tilting her head, tilting it to a normal degree, almost as if curious, until it just snapped, an unsettling crunch echoing off the walls as if her neck snapped in the most unnatural position. She bared a smile wider and higher than anyone's cheekbone could ever handle. Her pupils dilated to the point that they were almost too small to see. I screamed, and she began to say something. I don't know what it was. It was unintelligible, demonic. It sounded nothing like me. I fell to the floor, screaming louder and louder. The longer it stared at me, watching my every move, laughing. I backed into the tub, doing something to my ankle that had me screaming for a whole different reason. It continued to laugh at me, and the light started flickering rapidly. Shut up! Shut up! I screamed at it, over and over again. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I covered my ears. I closed my eyes. I just wanted it to go away. I wanted the thing to leave me alone. It wasn't me. It was a monster. I don't know what it was. It did eventually grow quiet when the light stopped flickering. My own shameless shrieking being the only thing making any sound in the small restroom. I slowly uncovered my ears, opening my eyes, blurry and sore, and looked back up to my reflection once again, somewhat back to normal with a neutral expression. We stared at one another, and I'm sure I looked much worse by that point than whatever was staring back at me. It was waiting for something, and I wasn't sure what until I remembered the final step to the rule. My throat was hoarse, dying and unforgiving, but I managed to get enough breath and sound out to say it. Thank you. And just like that, the lights flickered off. It was cold. I was alone once again. Slowly I started to get up, Realizing that the stuff I tossed in the tub was no longer there. My belongings were all gone. And I still don't care where they are. I'm never going back to find out either. Shutting the door to the bathroom, I started limping back over to the bed. Shaken and soiled. I felt so heavy. So... helpless. Someone started knocking on the front door, the bellboy asking if I liked the meal. I nodded and responded, and whatever I said thankfully worked, because he did not come back. I fell on the bed, feeling gross and absolutely defeated. My cell phone remained by my bedside. I think it's been there since the moment I woke up in bed and looking at it, ignoring several missed calls and voicemails, I saw that it was just a little over two in the morning. And, knowing that, I nodded off. Looking back on it now, it definitely was not the smartest thing to do. But I had already messed up several times at that point, and I had convinced myself that screwing up one more time would not necessarily hurt. And if it did something was bound to put me out of my misery. Another knock at the door awoke me up with a start, the noise heavy and demanding. I had to pull my second note out again to remember the man looking for his hat, or what was supposed to be him. When I opened the door, no one was there and gritting my teeth, I limped my way over two doors down as instructed. Before my hand made contact with the door, I remembered considering the distance between this room and my own, and how much more difficult it was going to be to run back in the poor state my ankle was in. So, to give myself more of a head start, I positioned myself as far away from the door as possible, but still close enough to knock. Not a very comfortable position, but it was all I could think to do to handicap myself. So I knocked three times before quickly asking whoever it was behind the door to stop knocking on my own door, and to contact the front desk if they really needed anything. I did not stick around to hear the footsteps, limping away as soon as possible but I was not fast enough. Just a couple of steps away from my room, I heard the door behind me creak open. Something, in a very loud and sudden voice, called out, Hey! from behind me, before they followed suit. Before I shut the door, a hand blocked the entrance, and I saw a pair of angry eyes staring back at me. It was a very heavy set looking man. His shirt, from what I could see in the pitch-black darkness of the hallway, was covered in stains of unknown, his boxers one size too small for him. I mercilessly continued to try and push the door closed despite this, going so far as to throw my body against it as he swore in pain, his anger only worsening the more effort I put into my weakened strength. What the hell are you doing? Why are you knocking on my door so late? Bitch, if you wanted it so badly, you could have called or something. The hand somehow managed to get a chunk of my hair and pulled it hard. My head hit the wood of the doorway, and I screamed for him to let go but his boisterous demands easily overpowered my own. Instinctively, I continued to pull away like a trapped animal, successfully yanking my head away hard enough to break free, but losing chunks of hair in the process. I slammed the door shut then, locking it for extra measure before the man started pounding heavily against the wood. I was certain the door would break, Even with my body pressed firmly against it. But he eventually gave a final angry growl before storming off. I could hear his door slam shut, flinching as it did. More silence came soon after. I slumped to the floor, reaching up to feel a certain bald spot on the right side of my head. It didn't feel too serious but it still burned to the touch, sore and weak like the other parts of me. A bit of blood also painted the tips of my fingers. I'm not sure if it was mine or the man's, or at least what looked to be a man. I'm guessing I blacked out at this point because I don't remember anything happening after that, but I do remember hearing another damn knock at the door and I had to crawl out of the fetal position I put myself in to look through the peephole. It was the little boy. Not the little girl and the little boy. Just the little boy. I... There was nothing about that in the rules, so I did not open it. The knocking continued, but they were persistent. He knocked, and knocked. I covered my ears again, and bit my lip from saying anything, not wanting to draw attention. I didn't know what to do, but what I did then was clearly the wrong move, because the door behind me unlocked itself with a faint click, and began to slowly open. My weight wasn't good enough this time, the door opened all the way, wide and bearing. We stared at one another, and I noticed he held something in his hand. It was Trina's cell phone. Where did you get that? I asked without realizing what I said, but before I could regret it, he held it behind his back. You'll only get this back when you help me find her. I... what? He started to walk away, and I watched as he got further and further down the hallway, all the way up until he rounded the dark corner. Did he mean Trina? Did he know where she was? I missed her, but I wasn't ready to do anything that would put my life on the line again. I didn't want to know what was behind that corner, nor did I want to know what he actually meant by her. But of course, the door refused to budge. It didn't even make an effort to close, no matter how hard I pushed. I think I tried bargaining with it at some point, I'm not sure, but it didn't work either way. So, I followed. I took my time hesitating when I got near the door across from my neighbor. Everything seemed to darken the further I went, and by the time I neared the corner, a door slammed shut behind me. Turning around, I had absolutely no idea anymore which room was mine. The room numbers, they were just gone. Fear had its way with me once again, and I found it difficult to move from my current spot. I did not want to. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. I couldn't. Not there. Well, I didn't, as you've noticed, but I almost did. Something behind me made a noise. I don't know what noise, but when I turned around again, It was the bellboy. It looked like a bellboy, except he was very, very tall. I couldn't make anything out but the brightness of the uniform. Whatever it was, whoever it was, started approaching me. And making one final effort to get away, I ran. I ran as fast and as capable as an injured ankle would let me. Around the corner was another hallway, a longer one. And around that one was another, and then another. They didn't seem to end. I'm still amazed by how far I got before I finally spotted the young boy again. Only this time he was in the elevator, and the doors were starting to close. I screamed at him to wait. I begged for him to keep the doors open, but he just smiled, a smile far more unsettling than his sister, but one very similar to the thing in the mirror. A hand suddenly then squeezed my shoulder and spun me around, leaving me face to face with the bellboy. It had no face. Its fingers were long and claw-like. I could no longer scream. I couldn't make a sound. The thing bent down, bringing its head closer to mine. A sound came out of it, one resembling a human voice. A few of them. It spoke no louder than a whisper. So warm. So soft. Please. Let me in. And then it opened up. Its mouth, I mean. Or at least I think it was a mouth. Something small, tiny spider-like beings, began to crawl out. Thousands of them. The hand holding my shoulder kept me in place, and those things started crawling all over me. In my mouth, my ears, my nose. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything. I'm certain a few of them managed to get under my eyelids and fingernails as well. And, as you can imagine, the pain was absolutely unbearable. I never want to feel that way again. Then something else was pulling me back, away from the bellboy. It dragged me across the floor into what I think now was the elevator, but I'm still unsure of where it brought me. High-pitched screaming, a sound similar to the woman on the phone, could be heard from the bellboy's direction. I remember the vibrations of the floor and even the walls around me. But whatever was dragging me it brought me to a place that kept me far away from whatever chaos it left behind. Something sharp entered my back, and instantly I could feel again. I could breathe. I could hear, and somehow I could even see. I could scream. Something covered my mouth as I tried backing away. A hand. It was difficult to make out my surroundings. I still can't tell you exactly where I was, I genuinely don't know, but I did recognize the familiar faint smell of that rotten meat. It spoke to me, harshly pulling out whatever it used in my neck. I'm sorry, that wasn't part of the deal, what just happened to you, I mean. I wanted to say something, but the hold on my mouth only tightened. It was a man's voice, nothing like the bellboy, and nothing like the man two doors down. He sounded normal. The heat emitting from his hand felt normal. I think it was an actual person that saved me. I can't tell you too much, but those rules I left for you. Everything you need to know was on there. However, they deviated from their normal behavior. Their normal routine, I should say. Despite this, you did everything right, so I'm going to let you go. Of course, everything I heard is paraphrasing what I recall him saying. I still don't understand what he meant by part of the deal or how whatever those things were didn't stick to protocol. Was this some kind of test? Is this hotel some kind of experiment? Again, more questions, and I have been given zero answers. I don't know what he did to me after that, but according to the nurse, she said that I was found in my room, unconscious, and that they only found me when a maid came in to clean. My parents were called, of course, and they flew in to take care of me. They're staying in a motel close to the hospital, and thank God for that. I haven't told them what happened. I know no one will believe me, but that doesn't stop them from trying to get me to tell them. After some thought, I've decided that this is something I'll be taking to my grave. I don't want to be admitted to a psychiatric facility. I don't need to. At least, I don't think so. Not yet. The nightmares are still there. I still see them. I can't even look at my own reflections without having some sort of panic attack. I really don't know what to do from here. Trina is still missing. Her mother has reached out to several local news networks to try and find her. Police have already came to question me, and unfortunately, I am a suspect to her disappearance. Her mother refuses to speak with me, and according to my own mother, she blames me for everything that's happened to her daughter. Trina is my best friend. I would never hurt her, and it breaks my heart, knowing she thinks this way. I miss her so much, but I almost want to cry not because of her disappearance, but because I actually managed to make it out of that hell alive. I'm sorry if I'm not the hero you wanted me to be. The one who tells you that everything is fine now and that I'm going back there to try and find Trina and save her. No, I'm never stepping foot in that place again. I can't. I'll lose whatever sanity I have left if I even look at that building again. Oh, I also went and found their website. All of the reviews are a perfect 5 out of 5 stars. Nothing from anybody reviewing about the hell that happened to me. I just can't wrap my head around that. I can't be the only one who has been through this. I tried to leave a review of my own as well, but before I could submit, the whole site glitched and kicked me out. I tried several times, but the same thing would happen. I'm on the brink of crying just thinking about it. Please, if you've also experienced this, reach out to me. I just can't be alone on this. I can't be the only survivor, right? Also, for those of you who have not even heard of this place, or at least thought about going, don't. I beg you, just please don't. I hope I sound like a broken record, because I need you to listen to me and take my warning very seriously. I'm not sure if the hotel will find my story on Reddit, but on the chance that they do... Please spread this to as many people as possible. I'm still quite exhausted after all of this, so I'll be resting here for a few more days. The doctor has been giving me medicine to help the pain in my ankle, but I don't want to take them. The doctor. He sounds like the man who saved me. I don't want to trust anyone who has come from that place even the savior who supposedly got me out of there. I don't want to die. I don't want anything to do with that hotel. I just want to go home. Once again, thank you for hearing me out. I know it's long, but thank you. And Trina, if you somehow ever read this, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this super long episode. If you're interested in learning more about the author, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Go and show them some love. Until next time, everybody. This is your host, Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.